So there's uh, an interesting phenomenon that I noticed in the news, reported in the news this past week. First, let me say that, you know, it's, it's remarkable that no matter what's going on out there in the world, it's such a blessing to be able to come here into this sanctuary and be surrounded by church family and to be able to laugh, to be able to feel like you're in your comfort zone. I noticed that this morning. I noticed as we had our little prayer meeting that we do before, uh, before service, everyone has something going on in their experience, but we're able to set it aside and come here in a spirit of worship. And that's a remarkable thing. I think that's something that's missing in the lives of so many people out there that they have nowhere to go that is a sanctuary. And so as I'm watching the news this past week in the, in the wake of all that's transpired, the Santa Fe High School shooting, so many different things that have gone on in the past couple of weeks, It was remarkable to me, this phenomenon that they were reporting on, that there's, there are a number of similar incidents that have followed in the wake. Have you, have you seen this? Similar incidents in schools have increased across the country as other disturbed individuals out there have taken their cue, maybe from all the media coverage. I don't know but they've decided that they too would like to inflict harm on others and even themselves. That's a strange phenomenon. I mean, none of these things end well for anybody, including the perpetrator, but still there are people who want to perpetuate those kinds of actions. Now, the, the thing that brought it into my consciousness once again was right in my hometown, just down the road in Huffman, Huffman Hargrave was included in those statistics this past week. That's where my niece, Brianna, goes to high school. She's a senior, and she's going to graduate next week with honors, and we're all so proud of her. And she's going to Sam Houston State in the fall, and she's going to be on the cheer squad. And, and I don't know much about cheering, but I know that, that that's not an easy accomplishment to get on a college cheer squad, and she's got such a bright future ahead of her. But last Monday, Angela's sister, Brianna's mom, got a text from her daughter and the text read, I've got a copy of it, it says, hey mom, I'm okay. You know anytime somebody starts a text like that, that it's, they may be all right, but it's not okay. And she says, I don't know if you know what's going on, but a kid brought a gun to school. We are still on lockdown. I'm hiding in the back of the library, but I think everything is okay. 
That's not a text you want to get from your child, is it? You got it? It's just, it just brings it home, doesn't it? So when my sister-in-law had a chance to reflect on the events of that day, she said, you know, I'm not really an emotional person. Beg to differ, but okay. <laughs> but she said, as, as I reflect over today and Bree's experience, I can't help but shed some tears. And she said, first, I'm thankful, so very thankful, because it could have been so much worse. And it's nowhere near what other parents have experienced. She knows that. But, but honestly, she said, when I read this text from Bree, I cried because although I knew the person was in custody and everything was going to be okay, it suddenly became very real and personal to me. And it, indeed, it became very real to the whole family and the whole community. So I've had some time to think about the events of the past couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well. And just a few observations. First of all, I am thankful also to God for his mercy and grace. Because as we've seen in Santa Fe and in Florida, Bree's experience Monday could have been so much different. And these events are, well, they're just indicative of the state of this fallen and broken world in which we live and it's just especially saddening I think when it comes so close to all of our homes and so as I'm reflecting on it it occurred to me that if we want the violence out of our schools if we want our kids to succeed then we simply have to get back to pointing our kids and our grandkids to Christ. We, we have to get back to spending the time that it takes to build the character in them that life in this world requires. Because it's not easy out there. And so my prayer is that parents everywhere would return to Christian values and if you're a grandparent, maybe they need your help. If you're sitting here in this church, you have Christian values. Maybe your grandkids need help. But I think collectively, all of us need to dedicate ourselves once again to raising the children in our community, bringing them up as people of character, people of faith in Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. You can go off into the politics of all this if you want to, but what it really boils down to is building people of character and faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I use my sister-in-law as an, an example. She's really an amazing godly woman she's a faithful catholic goes to the catholic church in huffman taking her kids there for years even manages to get her husband to go every sunday that's amazing to me 
But she's done that with her kids. She's raised them. The results that, that she's achieved in her children are a great example. She, uh, it's praiseworthy because they're great people. They have bright futures. And it's all because of the investment that the parents made in them. And I know many of you are able to say that about your kids and grandkids. And Angela and I are blessed to be able to say that about our children. The thing is, when it comes to children, most often the kind of person the child becomes is directly related to the investment of time that's been put into them, to the quality of the content that we pour into them and into their character. And so conversely, the other side is true. If we focus on all the wrong things in our own lives, our children take that example and run with it also. As a teacher, I'm sure that you see that. So often, kids that are going down the wrong path, well, it's because they don't have an example that's going down the right one. It's, it's garbage in, garbage out. Because what we focus on becomes what our children focus on. And this is, I think, at least in part, what Paul's message to us in the epistle is talking about. The epistle for this week is in Romans 8. It begins at verse 12, and Paul writes, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, Paul says that once upon a time, we were sold into sin. Once we were subject to the ways of the world, once we had no option but to focus on the wrong things. But now, Paul says, we've been set free from this taskmaster of sin. Now we are servants of righteousness. We owe absolutely nothing to the flesh. We owe nothing to the world. We no longer have a debt to pay for sin. And so now we can focus on all the right things. If we live according to the flesh, the end is death. If we are willing to die to the flesh, if we're willing to kill sin, then the end is life. That's what Paul is saying. If you don't kill sin, sin will kill you. And where our kids are concerned, if we don't head sin off at the pass, then they will run hell-bent into the pass and be surrounded on every side by all manner of evil. That's just the way the world works. And so Paul continues at verse 14. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. And so when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him, 
so that we may also be glorified with him. See, if we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God, if we allow that to occur, then we are children of God. And if we pour that example into our children and lead them by the Spirit of God, then they'll be children of God also. And the thing about children of God is they don't shoot their classmates. They don't shoot their teachers. Children of God don't bully the weak. Children of God don't think about harming, killing others or themselves. It's just not in them. I like the way the message version puts that last part of that scripture. It says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? I like that. Have you asked God that today? What's next? Papa. That ought to bring a smile to your face. It does mine. Wake up in the morning and say, what's next, God? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are, Paul says. We know who he is and we know who we are and the relationship is one of father and children. And then Paul says, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us. That works both ways, but he's talking about an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Jesus, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with Jesus. The thing I take from that last part is there is suffering in being a Christian. That's one of the difficult things for us to grasp, I think, that choosing Christ, walking in the Spirit, is not a free pass. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because to follow Christ very often is to suffer. The world sees to it that that happens. It's just the way it is out there as a Christian. The world hates Jesus. Should we expect anything different? Which brings, if I'm a parent or a grandparent, it brings about a, a very real question that you shouldn't be afraid to ask. If, if it's true, and it is true, that following Jesus invites suffering, why do, we want our why do we want to point our kids in that direction? Why do we want to point them to Christ if, if suffering is the lot that they inherit? Why do we ourselves want to take part in any program where suffering is par for the course? It's valid questions okay you can ask those God's a big God he can handle whatever we throw at him and that's a real concern if I know the world has it in for 
things of God, which means that by extension, they have it in for Christians. Why do I want to put my child in that? Well, two things. If you're taking notes, these are the things to write down. Two reasons. Two reasons for pointing your kids in the direction of Christ. One, in an environment of Christian love, if your home is an environment of Christian love, a place where divine love is practiced, healthy children become resilient people who are able to live and even thrive in a hostile world. Let me say that again. In an environment of Christian love, in a home where divine love is practiced, healthy children become resilient people who are able to live and even thrive in a hostile world. I think that's true. Where else do you get the armor of God? The thing that stops the evil darts and arrows, right? And then the second thing is when we choose Christ, we are secure in the knowledge that no matter what comes, we are not alone. And that when all is said and done, this earthly life is just a blip on the radar screen of our eternal life. I'm not going to read that one again. It's a long one. But it's true. We've got to start seeing the bigger picture. We've got to stop looking at our life from this limited perspective of birth, life on this earth, and death as being the sum total of our existence. We weren't created that way. Let's stop viewing ourselves that way. Let's stop viewing our children that way. We've got to stop looking at this life as finite and start looking at it as infinite. Stop saying God didn't heal God didn't heal me. I hear that so often. Stop saying God didn't heal me. Stop saying he didn't answer my prayers. Start saying God hasn't healed me yet. But in his time I know he will because he hears my prayers. God heals everyone in his time. And maybe not between the boundaries of our, of our birth on this earth and our passing from this earth. Maybe it doesn't occur within this little blip on the radar screen, but in the grand eternity of God's time, we're already healed, whatever our infirmity. Mental, physical, emotional, it doesn't matter. God has healed us even if we haven't arrived where God is yet start thinking like people of the resurrection not people of the grave does that make sense we have been adopted into the family of God Paul says here that we are heirs to the kingdom, joint heirs with Christ. We're made so by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. And so now it's time for us to start living like heirs. 
It's time for us to start teaching our children about their inheritance so that they can be heirs too. If we want to stop all this nonsense in our schools, in our communities, we have to start creating heirs of the kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.